Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everybody. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, really, really excited about the topic today. As Pastor Aaron mentioned earlier, we have been talking about ways in which we can level up our faith, and we talked a couple weeks ago about meditation. Last week, we talked about uh, fasting and how Jesus expects us to make fasting as a part of our rhythm of our lives, and and, uh, I hope that you joined with me this past week in a congregational fast and and really just, you know, sought the homesickness that we have for God and invited him in so that we, we can lift up up those that are in Russia and Ukraine and just continue to to pray for them specifically. And today we're going to approach one more of those tools that that we we know, we know the name of it, we know what it is, Um, but I'll be honest with you, and when there's two different, I think, types of backgrounds in this room, there's those of us that maybe grew up in this room watching online or on the balcony from maybe a more liturgical church background, and and when when I share this tool, um, we probably don't have that tool 100% correct the way that we view it. Um, then there are those of us that maybe are from an evangelical background and grew up in Baptist churches, and, and, and we, we kind of understand this uh, from an educational standpoint. We understand the meeting. However, uh, we, there's tension there, and, and we don't know how to fix that tension, and, and we struggle with that tension. And so as we live our lives, we, we don't utilize this tool in the right facet. So we have two different backgrounds in this room, and we both probably need a little bit of understanding. And I got to be honest, I'm really excited to share this this with you uh, because I think that it will bring closure to uh, some missing pieces maybe for some of us from an educational standpoint, but then also from an application standpoint, it will definitely fill in some of those blanks. And uh, today, we're going to unpack that. Before we start, uh, I grew up, as I mentioned, in a Catholic church, and I I served Mass as an altar boy, you know, one of those little white robes and red belts and stuff like that. That was me, yes. Uh, Six days a week, uh, I would serve Mass. In fact, um, I thank God for my mom. I I have the fondest memories of her. She used to get up, and I gosh, I wish that I had her longer in my life, um, but I, 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 if, if I, when I get the opportunity to talk to her again, I, I'm just going to tell her how much I appreciate it, but she used to get up at like 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning to make me breakfast and to take me to, to church at 5.30 in the morning to serve Mass six days a week. And when I think of that, it's amazing. And, and here's what happens as an altar boy. You know, my job was to assist the priests and to be able to help them in, in, in the service and do that. Uh, but then there's something else that happens in a liturgical church is that um, you're, you're given the opportunity to go to confession. You ever heard that term before, confession? And so in a liturgical background, the way that you did it is you would go into this little box. You ever see the movies and stuff? You see the people going into the box, and, and then you see, like, the screen, and then they would go, shh, they'd open the door, you know, the magical door, and then it would be blurred, but then there'd be a priest behind it, and then you're, you're supposed to confess your sins. Well, just to give you a little insight, um, I had to do this, and, and every day they offered confession right before the church service, so I would have to participate in it. So I was going to confession all the time. And I, I remember uh, finally after about two and a half weeks of, of, you know, being an altar boy and serving Mass, I was just thinking to myself, I'm running out of sins. I mean, really. So I remember going in, and it was a Wednesday. It was the middle of the week, and I go into the box, and I, you know, I open the door, I sit down, and it's me. And now I know all the priests, right? I, like, I know them, even though it's blurry and they have a little screen. I know who it is because I know the voices and everything else. So all of a sudden, shh, the, the, it opens up, and I know the priest. And this is what you say, in case you didn't know this. It says, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been 
and you're supposed to name the amount of time since your last confession. Well, typically, if you're, if you're a part of the Catholic Church, it might be a month, might be six months, might be 10 years. For me, it was one day. So it's like, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been one day since my last confession. Now, by this Wednesday, I had confessed about everything, and I gotta be honest, I'm looking at my last day, I'm like, I don't know if I did anything wrong. I mean, I'm just making stuff up now. So I finally just said, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been one day since my last confession. I got nothing to confess. And to which, at that point, the priest chuckled and said, Terry, go out there and say five Hail Marys. And that's your penance. You have to go out and pray. And so it's almost like you go confess, and then you go to the pew, and you say a few prayers, and then you're forgiven. And that, and that was the process of confession. Well, if you're part of that liturgical background, you know that, and you understand that, and, and you understand, man, that it's just, you know, I, I mean, is, is that what, what, I don't feel any different? I don't have, I mean, what is it? And so we go with that. Now, so if you're part of the liturgical, we make fun of ourselves and everything else. Now, let me flip it over to our evangelical friends here, because some of us, we grow up and we understand confession. I, I confess my sins to Jesus. Uh, he forgives me, and, and I will go to eternity in heaven because he's the son of God, and, and I will make sure I know that I'm going to go to heaven. But here, here's where the tension lies for us, right? All of a sudden, though, we have friends or family members or maybe even ourselves where we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we, we know we confess our sins, and he's faithful to cast them as far as the east is from the west. We know that, and we know we're going to heaven. But then all of a sudden, about three years later, we're not living life the way we know we're supposed to live. And then all of a sudden, we look back to how we used to live our life compared to how we currently are living our life, or we have a friend that's not living life in a good manner. In fact, you have an unchurched neighbor that lives life better than your Christian friend who once gave his life to Jesus years ago. And so there's tension because we go, well, I, I, am I going to heaven? I'm not going to heaven. I mean, I did confess my sin that one time, but I don't know if it took. There's just something's missing here. And so I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven or not. And so there's a tension with confession because we're, we're, we, some, some people, you, you've given your life to Christ 16 times. And it's like, you know, hopefully it'll stick this time. And, and what do we do with that? And so there's got to be an answer, right? Well, here's the good news. There is an answer. And today, we're going to unpack confession and what confession is, but here's the great news. I think by the end of this service, we're going to view confession, understand its purpose far greater, and it's going to bring peace to a lot of us in this room about the tension that we feel at times, whether you're from a liturgical background or whether you're from an evangelical background. So here's the good news, though, in, in our society. If you're not a Christian, you're like us, because here's the truth. Most of humanity seeks the forgiveness of God for their sins. Did you know that? Isn't that wild and amazing? We, we have a nation that, oh, that uh, right now, less than 50%, depending on some polls, claim themselves to be a Christian. And so, you know, the, the old adage is we're a Christian nation, we're a Christian nation. Well, that is getting lower and lower by the decade. And, but it is true that most people will say that they seek forgiveness from God. Did you know this? Studies indicate that 94% of Americans believe that forgiveness is a healthy prospect. And we know as believers in Christ that forgiveness was authored by God himself. And so we have America who believes in an attribute of God even if they don't believe in God. And why is that? This is where it gets, where I just really, really get excited. If the truth is, if you've read the Bible and you have strong biblical knowledge, you know this, that a theme throughout the Old Testament and New Testament is this, that God desires to give and forgive. Isn't that true? 
If you had to sum everything up about the heartbeat of God and the character of God, he desires to give, but then he also, when we mess up, he desires to forgive those things. In all of our life, we can count on God forgiving and giving in that. Well, Terry, how do you know that? I mean, you know, I grew up and, and you know, my, my mom used to say God's going to get me and, you know, I, I don't know about that. I mean, what about the Old Testament where, where I see thousands of people killed and all this? I mean, you know, so maybe you're just doing pastor speak. Well, no, it's true. God wants to forgive and give. And the reason why I know this is there was one singular act that changed the history of humankind. And that act happened on a cross. And later in the year, when we travel to Israel prayerfully, we will be in a location where there's two locations where historians will say that this event occurred. And, and both of them are really close together, and, and both, I have my opinion on which one it was, but um, either of them right near each other. But I imagine when I tell you this, and when I read this scripture, I can picture where the cross is. I can picture how Jesus was hanging on this cross. And as we gather ourselves getting prepared for Easter, I think it's really important to begin the message today with this truth. Matthew 27, 46, give us insight into the forgiveness of God. Take a look at this. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, when I think about that and I picture Jesus on the cross, it's hurting me, right? It's painful because I picture his battered, bruised, naked body on a cross and I pictured him looking out in exasperation at, to the Father, looking up in heaven and saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's hard for us because we look at the Savior of the world in a very vulnerable position. But here is the truth. This was not Jesus' weakest moment in history. Did you know that? Instead, it was our Savior's greatest strength. And the reason because of this is that in that moment, and this is important, this is where I want you to lean in, and some of you know this truth, but I want you to hold on to this for later in the message, so hold on to this. In this truth, in this moment, God, who knew no sin, Jesus Christ, who did not sin at all, in that moment, he took your sin and my sin, the sin of yesterday, the sin of today, the sin of the future. He took all of our sin, and he placed it upon his body, all of the anger, all the hate, all the evil. You think it's evil right now in Europe and what's going on? All of that was placed upon Jesus' body, and he didn't know any of it. He was perfect. He was moral. He was good. And in one moment, he took all the evilness and demons of the world and he placed it upon his shoulder. And in that moment, God, the Father, had to turn away from the Son because now his Son was sin and had sin. And that's why Jesus felt for the first time disconnected from the Father. And he did that for you and he did that for me because God loves to give and he loves to forgive. In fact, we know this, why? Because Paul said this to the church at Corinth, and I love how he puts it, and we sang about it this morning. Take a look at this, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made Jesus, him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you understand what the righteousness of God means? God took our sin and became sin for me so that I would be restored in relationship with God. That's what righteousness means. So if you're sitting there wondering, does God love me? Does God must hate me? No, no, no. Jesus took your sin thousands of years ago. He knew Terry and took my goofy sins, and he took it upon himself just so that I could have right relationship with God. That's how much God loves to give and forgive. Now, some of you in this room, but Terry, you know, I, that's great, but it's hard to believe that because, you know, I mean, I've done some pretty bad things, and how does God really know in the future of what I do? You need to understand something. That Did you know that on the cross, he said with his last breath, it is finished. 
He said that on the cross. He didn't say it's finished for today only. He didn't say it's finished for all the people up to this point. He said it is finished. In the original language, it's complete. It's done. No longer do we have to worry about sin in our lives because he took it once and for all. Do you realize when we sit there and wonder if God can forgive me of sin, we demoralize and we take, and I don't even have the words, we take for granted what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross so long ago. And so we have to remember we start with the truth that my sin has been forgiven. And so now when we talk about confession, here's the wonderful thing. For evangelicals, we shout amen, right? Because we believe that. That's the easy part of confession. That in a moment in our life, we stand before God and we say, God, I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness and so I give my sin to you and you cast it as far as the east is from the west and I'm forgiven, it's finished and I will spend eternity with you. Terry, we get that. That's the easy part. And by the way, if you're liturgical, that's where evangelicals, we got that part, right? However, that forms a question. Because Terry, then if I confess that already and God's already forgiven all my sin and he did, it is finished forever, why do I need to continue to confess my sin? Do you ever think about that? But wait a minute, Terry, it is finished. He took my sin, so am I, am I just doubling down? Am I just confessing the same sin he's already forgiven? I mean, I'm not understand. So if God died for my sins yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then why do I need confession? And here's the beauty of it. This is where if you took a nap, lean in, because this, this is the, the main crux of the message. The problem for all of us with confession is we've always looked at it with a single purpose. We've always looked at confession with regards to heaven. We've always taken confession and we've always attributed it to our relationship with God and it's always about heaven. However, that is not true. Because confession is not singular in purpose. Confession has two purposes. And if you're a note taker, you need to write this down, circle it, and hold on to it for the rest of your life. Are you ready? The first one is easy, and we talk about it. The first purpose of confession is to join the community of saints. The first one is very simple, is I confess my sins to God, and he's faithful to forgive. Paul said it better than anybody, and he said this to the Romans. He said, look, he said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is finished. You don't need to have to worry about it. It's about your heart. God judges the heart, and so if you've done that, you will spend eternity forever in heaven, and you don't need to worry about it. You know what I love about this? My wife and I were talking about this on phone last night, and she's reading a book, and, and I've, I've, the reason why I say God is faithful to forgive your sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west, and the reason why I say that is, did you know that if you were to leave Myrtle Beach and travel north all the way to the North Pole, at some point, you're going to start going south? Did you realize that? But if you left Myrtle Beach and you started heading east, do you know this, that you will never head west? If you keep going east, you're gonna always be east. You will circle the globe and you'll continue to be going east, which means Jesus is faithful to cast your sin and he will never bring your sin back. He will never rub your noses in it. He will not, if you were here a few weeks ago, you remember, he will not sit in the judgment seat, have you sit before you and say, Terry, I wanna bring all your sins back up so I'll show you how, how bad you were. He's not gonna do that. He's going to encourage me. He's going to affirm me. He has already forgotten that sin and cast it away because he took it. It is finished. And so if you've ever doubted that, 
you know, wait a second, I've confessed that, he's forgiven it, it is not here anymore, and I will be in eternity with him. So number one, I will be in the community of saints. But there's a second purpose. And this is the one, oh, strap, strap the seatbelt on because this is good. Did you know that confession does something else in our lives? Confession allows us to join the community of sinners. Did you know that right now I'm looking at a room full of people who are watching online and up in the balcony, and you are a really good-looking bunch of sinners? In fact, you right over there, man, you sin a lot, but I love you, man. You look awesome. Some of you are like, how dare he have said, no, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know what you did when you confessed. You said, I'm a mess. Do you understand that? That when you looked up into heaven, you didn't say, I'm a pretty good person, Jesus, and you know, I bring a lot to the table. And so, you know what, I'm thinking about joining the body of Christ because I've got a lot of good talents. And so, I think maybe if I investigate it a little bit, I'm going to go to church for a while and figure it out. And if I like it enough, I might join you, Jesus. That doesn't work like that. When we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, you're finally admitting I am a complete mess. Some of you are a hot mess, let me just say. And it's important for us to recognize that. It's important for us to understand that. Well, Terry, what's the point? Why, do we, why, why are you doubling down? I feel bad enough. I mean, now you're, call, now you're calling me names from the pulpit. I'm leaving this church. It's because that part of confession, there's a process involved. Lean in. And we, if you're liturgical, you need to understand this. We evangelicals, we forget this process. Why? I'm already forgiven. I'm already going to heaven. And just, you know, I can't be perfect. But you know what? I don't have to confess anymore. I could just do life and, you know, and just pretend to be really good, dress really nicely, and make sure people don't know that I got mess. That's what we do. But if you do that, you've missed confession. Because Paul once said this to the church in Philippi, and I want you to see this. He said this, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, do you know what he was meaning by that? Terry, congratulations, your eternity is secured. So when he says, work out your salvation, he's not talking about purgatory or get better so maybe you get to heaven. He's not talking about that. Do you know what he's talking about? He said, Terry, he said, you're always going to be in heaven. But now there's a second part of the process of confession. And now you need to mature. And the only way you can mature is to humble yourself. Isn't it true the only way we grow is if we break down sometimes? You ever see that in life is that someone has to hit rock bottom before you see real growth? Isn't it true that all of us need to be pruned from time to time? If you're a gardener or a, or what do they call it, horticulturalist? Look at me, big terms on a Sunday morning. But if you're one of those individuals, the spring season comes, and during the summer, isn't it true that you're constantly pruning the roses and pruning the bushes so that they grow healthy once again? We all need pruning, and that's a part of the confession process. You see, I think sometimes we think singular confession, which means I'm in the holy club. But the body of Christ is not a club for holy people. The body of Christ is a safe haven for us sinners. And so right now, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look to the person to the left or the right of you. If you're at home, look at the couch and look at your kids. And I want you to say, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm a mess and so are you. And it's great. Wow, you guys are taking a long time. I didn't say start confession now. Man, maybe we need to do that. We'll just, some of you are like, I'm a mess, I'm a mess. No, it's okay. I love it. 
But here's the truth. We need that. We all need to know that there's no perfect people in this room. And some of us are like, yeah, we get that. But no, no, no. There's nobody better than anybody else in this room. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how good you dress. I don't care what type of house or car you have. It doesn't make you better than the person next to you. Because when you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, you join the community of sinners and you humble yourself to say, I am just like my brother and sister. I am no better than anybody else. And that's what it means. Okay, Terry, I get it. So now I confess and I get into heaven and I, and I think that. But now you're telling me that I'm a sinner and you're telling me that I still have sin. And here's where the problem, now this is where you lean in. It gets bogged down, but lean in. But Terry... I'm a smart theologian. If I have sin in my life, God can't be a part of sin, and so if I don't confess that sin, how can I go to heaven? So does this mean that I need to confess my sins in order to get into heaven from here on out? If I'm already a Christian, do I need to confess my sins to get into heaven? And the answer is no. You don't have to confess your sins to get into heaven because remember, it is finished. That's already been paid. That's already been done. If you are a believer in Christ and you've already confessed him as Lord and Savior and asked him to forgive you of your sins, that is finished. And so no matter how many sins you have moving forward, that doesn't change. You're still going to go to heaven. That's truth. Okay, so then do I still need to confess my sins, Terry? Because if there's no point, why? Well, the answer to that question is, yes, you do. You absolutely have to confess your sins. Why? Why do I need to do that, Terry? Why is that important? Guys, go to the next screen. Thank you. Why? You like how that works? <laughs> and here's the simple reason. And I want you to read Ephesians 4, 11. It says this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, the community of sinners, don't miss this, the community of sinners may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? We need to confess our sins to one another so that we will be humble that we're gonna have hearts that allow the Holy Spirit to grow us so that we will continue to mature and that we will continue to experience the full measure that Jesus Christ has for us. Do you know that if you carry pride and if you think you know better than anybody else, you will not grow? If you're stubborn in the faith, you're gonna stay exactly where you're at. Well, I've already read the Bible, Terry. I don't need to read the Bible anymore. Yep, and you will not experience the full measure of Jesus Christ. You will not grow. You will stay stagnant. And so we need to confess our sins to, get to one another. Well, Terry, wait a minute. You're telling me i got to confess my sins to one another? No, 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 no. I mean, who should I confess my sins to? And I would ask you the question, and I want you to be good old Baptist, young Sunday school kids. You ready? Who should you confess your sins to? Jesus, that's right. We answer that answer to every question we get in church. Jesus, it's the safe one. You're right. We need, to, we need to confess our sins to Jesus on a continual basis. That's truth. Why is that truth? 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6 tells us this is truth. For there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, and that man is Christ Jesus. Now pause. If you come from a liturgical background and you are taught that you need to go to a priest 
who is a mediator between you and God. You no longer have to go to anybody but Jesus. You have a direct line to Jesus Christ because he's the mediator between God. That's true. Well, Terry, it's not in my Bible. Yes, it is. If you, come from a, if you come from a liturgical background, your Bible is the same as the evangelical Bible. Did you know that your Bible actually has a lot more historical books in it, which are actually pretty cool, but we have the same Bible. That's in your Bible, which means we need to read it more. Let me finish it. Who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. So yes, we have to confess our sins to Jesus. When we sin, it's not about heaven. It's now just about, you know what, Lord, I'm gonna humble myself because I'm a part of the community of sinners. But I'm gonna ask you another question. Who should I confess my sins to? Terry, why are you asking me that question again? It's Jesus, isn't it? Yes and no. Now you've flat out confused me because we just got done celebrating the fact that you're supposed to, he's the one mediator, he's the only one you have to go to, so now why are you telling me that I have to confess my sins to someone else? Well, James reminds us of this, James 5, 16. Take a look at this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But Terry, why do we have to share our dirty laundry with one another? Why do we have to share our dirty laundry with one another? Guys, that's the next screen. There you go. Why do we have to do that? Let me tell you why. And this is important. And this is where if you fell asleep, I want you to lean in. This is where I think church has gotten it wrong for decades. Because all of a sudden we come into a place where there's a lot of people and we put our best on and our best smile and we scream and yell at each other in the car on the way to the parking lot and then we get out and when we see Sally across the parking lot, we're like, hey, how are you? Oh, God bless you. Because we can't let anybody see our weakness. We can't let anybody see our sin because they're gonna think less of us because it's all about status in the church and it's about looking better and it's about being better and, and God forgive us. I'd much rather you get out of the car and say, well, I just laid into my kids right now. I'm just telling you. Because you know what will happen is you're going to have three other parents saying, well, join the club. I just did the same. And so, Terry, why do we need to confess our sins? I told you that I have a few C groups of guys that I meet with on a consistent basis. And one of the things I love is as we sit there and we get vulnerable. And one of the things we say is, man, I just want to share, man, I really had a rough week with Connor. And, and man, I just got so frustrated with him. And, and I just, I probably yelled at him. And I just, you know, it just, oh, it gets so frustrated. And and I just want to tell you guys, I just had to ask for forgiveness. And, and do you know what happened is, is that the three other guys sitting at the table, they looked at me and they said, join the club. I do, man, how, if I had a nickel for how many times I had to ask for forgiveness. And you know what happens in that moment? Don't miss this. When you're a part of a community of sinners and somebody else recognizes the same sin that you struggle with, you realize you're not alone. You realize there's hope. You realize, you know what? I don't have to push myself down. I don't have to think that God's mad at me. Instead, what I need to do is to understand that, you know what, I've joined the community of sinners and God expects that, and instead, I need to confess this sin, and then I need to go and sin no more. Do you know that, that Jesus, when he looked at the adulterous woman and the adulterous woman stood before him, and the adulterous woman looks up at Jesus, what did Jesus say to her in his final words? Now go and sin no more. And so, 
We have a loving, forgiving, and giving Savior that looks at the community of sinners and says, you all have mess. No one is better than the other person. And so now I forgive you. I have forgiven you. And so just go and sin no more. All right, Terry, I'm starting to believe this, right? I'm starting to understand confession a little bit more. It's got two purposes. One is eternal, and the other is a day-to-day, a rhythm process that I need to make a part of my life. Okay, so Terry, what do I gain out of it? Well, let me give you four things before we close that you can gain from confessing your sins. First, it quiets your conscience. I don't know about you, but when you've wronged individuals, if you've wronged a spouse, and you're too prideful to admit that you were wrong, you carry that. And you carry it, and you carry it, and it's there, and it's hard, and it's burdensome. And that's why Jesus created the body of Christ as a community of sinners, so we would humble ourselves, so we wouldn't have to carry that burden. And that we would just release it. So there's some husbands that need to just look at their brides and say, I'm sorry. Well, Terry, you don't know, she wronged me. You can't control her. Trust me. I've tried for over 20 years. It ain't happening. But you can control you. And if God says that we're to confess our sins, then you know what? We have to confess our sin. There's consequence to sin, but it doesn't mean you can't ask for forgiveness. Because here's what we see Jesus say. Did you know this? That if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. But if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, wait a minute, Terry. You just said God loves to forgive. Do you understand what Jesus was saying there? I've said this statement in our church before. What right do I have not to forgive my wife, Jennifer, when she talks back to me or she's unkind to me, when my Savior died on a cross once and forever for all of my sin? What right do I have, she's my sister in Christ, for me not to forgive her when my Savior forgave me? And Jesus said, look, do you get this now? If you don't forgive her, then the sins are not forgiven, which Jesus was basically saying, if you don't understand the need to forgive your brother or sister, then you don't understand eternity and you don't understand what I came for. And so if you can't understand that, then the truth is is that you better check yourself. What's the old adage? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. My son will say, Dad, that was so 1980s. But it's so true. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said this about our brother and sister. He said this, our brother has been given to us to help us. He hears the confession of our sin in Christ's stead, and he forgives our sins in Christ's name. He keeps the secret of our confession as God keeps it. When I go to my brother to confess, I am going to God. The community of sinners is important. So the first thing is it quiets our conscience. Second thing, it comforts us. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You know that you can have confidence that if you confess your sins to one another, 
God is not gonna change his opinion of you. Some of us, we hold sin because we don't want it to become public because we're afraid of what others will think. Well, if we act like the community of sinners, then when someone confesses their sin, we look at him and say, brother, I don't condemn you because we're all sinners. And then you know what God does? God looks at us and says, Terry, you're my special possession. You're a holy nation. You are set apart. You are a child of the king. I love you today. I love you yesterday, and I will love you forever, no matter what we confess. There's a third part, and that's assurance. And I want to read you 1 John 1, 8, 9 says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Which means this, some of us, we don't confess our sin because we're afraid that God will be mad at me or will think less of me. Guess what? He already knows your heart. He already knows you're harboring it. And so he's faithful to forgive whatever you confess. So you don't have to hold on to anything. And last but not least, our liturgical friends know this better than anything. When we confess, it offers us the opportunity for penance. And penance is a very, very different way of saying. It gives us the opportunity to repent and to make restitution. Those are two biblical terms that we repent in our heart and that we make right whatever we did wrong. So this week, when you go to confession, this week, when you apply it to your life at home, here's three ways that you can do that. First, examine your heart. And it isn't amazing that, this is where we tie it all together, Selena, and I know you're tired. But it isn't amazing that two weeks ago we said that God expects us to meditate on his word day and night, to know the truth. Isn't it amazing that Jesus said that when you fast, and fasting is a homesickness for God, and isn't it amazing that when we sit there and we talk about confession, the first thing we're supposed to do is examine our heart. Well, what if we as the body of Christ know that we're a community of sinners? What if we continuously meditate on God's word to know his truth, to know that we need to be humble, to know there's no perfect people? What if we then fast on a continuous basis, which keeps us connected to the heartbeat of God? And then when we examine our heart in confession, we're already there because of the rhythm we've created in our spiritual lives. Because when we examine our heart, we then will express sorrow. God, I'm sorry. God, I, didn't, I know I shouldn't do this, and I apologize. But then last but not least, here's where evangelicals struggle. We have no problem examining our heart, and we have no problem expressing our sorrow. But then we just go ahead and say, hey, you know what, I, God, forgive me, I've gossiped, and you know that was not right, and it was wrong, and so, hey, by the way, did you hear about Sally last week? Oh, my gosh. Number three, we have to desire to avoid sin so we can mature and we can grow in the body of Christ. Now I'm done and we're gonna pray. And we love that, right? And I hope that it really brought clarity, right? But let me tell you, what have you not confessed? Terry, I'm good, my friends, I've got good relationships. What about your family? What have you not confessed to your husband, to your wife, to your aunt, to your uncle? Maybe you've not forgiven. Maybe you're harboring something against them and you're not letting it go. What right do we have to not forgive when Jesus forgave me? And so we're going to pray. And we're going to enter in a time of confession. And I invite you to join me. Would you pray with me? God, as the body of Christ, as a community of sinners and saints, 
God, I just, right now, I want to lift up two different groups of people. And so if you're in this room, heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're watching online, I just pray that you in the privacy of your heart would pray the same. That if today you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, you know that you want to spend time in eternity and you're unsure of where you will go, you've heard the message, you've heard the truth, and it's very simple. If, you're a, if you want to be a follower of Jesus and you believe he's the son of God, then he has the power to forgive you today. And when you call upon him to forgive you, he forgives you today, he forgives you tomorrow, he forgives you forever. And so all you have to do is drive a stake home today. And so I want to invite you right now in this moment to pray and drive a stake home so that you know that you know that you know that you will be in eternity. And it goes something like this. God, I need you in my life. I confess that you're the son of God. I confess that you died on a cross for my sin forevermore. And God, I thank you. And so because of that, God, I ask your forgiveness for the sin in my life. And I thank you that you're faithful to forgive me once and for all so I can join the community of saints forever. So God, thank you that today I am a child of God and I will never have to doubt my salvation again. And if you prayed that prayer, welcome to the community of saints. And now I want to turn our attention to all our brothers and sisters in this room and as we join as the community of sinners, I want to offer up a prayer for all of us. And if this echoes your heart, just pray these things. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And God, I know that I'm not perfect. But God, I am, I am harboring sin in my life that I've not confessed. And God, right now, I want to offer that up to you in the privacy of my heart. And God, I want you to take it. God, I want you to remove it. And God, I, want, I don't desire to do it any longer. So God, give me the strength and the courage. And God, I promise to, to confess on a consistent basis so that I can continue to grow and mature in the full measure of Jesus Christ. And God, forgive me because I'm harboring anger and resentment towards individuals who have wronged me. And God, what right do I have not to forgive them if you forgave me? And so God, right now, I forgive them. And so, God, whatever I need to do, if I have to go to someone, if I have to tell them, God, please put it on my heart, and I promise that I will make that an action step this week. But, God, thank you. Thank you that I can confess, and I don't have to worry about your judgment, but I can really look to a God who loves to give and forgive. So, God, you are that amazing God. I pray that we'd be changed in this room. I pray that this would be shared to so many who are confused about confession. And I pray that we would start acting like your body of Christ, the messiest group of people in the universe, but saved by the grace of God. We pray these things that you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you.